Say what you will about social media advertising. Uh, maybe you don't like it. Maybe they're inconvenient sometimes, but it's hard to deny that over the last five years, they've become more and more engaging, more and more personalized. And we see this reflected in the massive acquisition prices for companies like WhatsApp or companies like Instagram, and in the huge revenue figures of the preeminent social media platform of the day, Facebook. What happens when individual brands and companies gain some of the same sort of AI superpowers of these social media platforms? When individual organizations can work through the Facebooks or the Instagrams or the Twitters of the world and rotate and test their messaging, their images, their videos in much more dialed and honed in ways. What does that mean for the average social media user? In other words, what's social media going to feel like and be like in five years? And what are the implications here for people who rely on it? There's probably folks tuned in right now who certainly are curious about the future of social media. There's probably some of you tuned in who are working in a B2C sector, maybe retail. Some people are working in media or in entertainment, where social media is make or break. We're seeing a lot of art organizations like the Huffington Post or Vox or Verge kind of pivoting to video these days. We're getting a sense that engaging through social is in many regards becoming more important than even ranking in search. Um, and this is particularly the case for, again, B2C uh, sectors where social is, is preeminently important. Um, what are the implications on those business models and what abilities uh, through artificial intelligence and machine learning might they gain in the next three to five years, maybe even two years or so, that will allow them to compete in this very, very competitive landscape of social media attention, of garnering eyeballs. This week's interview, we uh, tune in with Thomas Jelinek, who is the CEO of a company called Envision.ai up in Montreal. I got to meet Thomas in person when I was doing my big tour in Montreal for that, that Huffington Post piece we have coming out shortly. And Thomas dives into what might be possible in the near term in terms of optimizing images and videos for brands across social channels. And what does this mean for the future of social? Whether you're interested in what your Facebook feed's gonna look like, or whether you are doggone certain that it's gonna be important for you to find your audience through social and you'd like to kind of see around the corner, hopefully this interview should be useful. So without further ado, this is Thomas with Envision.ai here on AI and Industry. So Thomas, first things first, I wanted to talk about the intersection of computer vision and marketing. I think you know we've had a number of marketing folks on the show. We, we did a really, really big research piece on sort of this AI marketing space. Images was not the most common use case. You know, We look at programmatic advertising material. We look at determining upsells and things like that. But clearly, visual information is important for marketing. It's important for the ROI of marketing. Walk us through, I guess, what's possible today and where computer vision and marketing are actually intersecting in today's day and age. Hi, Dan. So what's really fascinating is, first of all, one of the things we're seeing is that, you know, the importance of video, images and video, but especially video. Video is like increasing by massive amounts in terms of, you know, the type of content that people are using for advertising. And it's clearly some of the most engaging that people can see. So one of the things you're seeing when people, you know, see advertising is they're often flicking through, for example, a Facebook feed or different feeds, you know, fairly quickly. And so a question can be, how can visual content make impact when you're only going to see it perhaps for a few seconds? How can you get people to pause there and actually, for example, click on a video? And what is the best way to maximize that engagement? And what are your goals with that? Do you want to maximize your click-through rate? Do you want people to follow you, follow a brand? 
So, you know, you have sort of two problems. One is how are you going to manage all the content that you have? How do you optimize the content itself? How do you find a really good image or a very, really good video? clip which is a very difficult problem for curation and then also depending upon what your goals are how are you going to maximize that process Uh, how are you going to get people to follow brand if they're not discover you or follow you or how do you get people to uh, buy that product or watch that video or perhaps if you're marketing a video program a tv show how do you get people to watch that episode when it's going to you know go online so there's all kinds of different issues there. And, you know, these are areas because, especially, you know, with deep learning and, you know, some of the new AI techniques, things like classification and ranking of this type of content has become quite accurate. And so things which were not really possible a few years ago now are within the realm of possibility. Got it. And I I think this is sort of prescient now because, you know, I'm, I'm in the media space myself uh, to some degree, certainly not the B2B or sorry, the B2C or entertainment kind of worlds where social is really popping. But I'm looking a lot at what, you know, the Forbeses and the, the business insiders and the the Voxes and Verges of the world are, are doing. And we're seeing just a, a huge, huge, huge amount of this quote unquote pivot to video. Um, in some cases, maybe it's genuine. In some cases, it's an, it's an excuse to lay people off because whenever Google changes their algorithm or Facebook changes their you know, rules about what engages with what, you know, a, a huge, huge swath of people lose their jobs. But clearly, video has become more and more an emphasis in the last two, three years, sort of stepwise, month over month uh, for, for these media firms. And just this last six months, this has been big. You know, in terms of putting a tangible example on this, you know, you had mentioned, I'm trying to think about maybe how this works in real life. People are going to think about like, okay, well, you know, what's happening here? Let's say, you know, you're you're a company that's launching another movie. Let's say there's a new Spider-Man movie or, you know, whatever the kids are watching these days. I don't really go to the movies myself, but I hear people like that kind of thing. So um, let's just say there's a new Spider-Man movie coming out. Like you said, picking what clip to rotate on Facebook or on Instagram um, is not, it's not really something that a human curator could maybe do well. If, if I'm guessing correctly, you would need to start with a whole bunch of different split-tested clips potentially based on some algorithm that's trained to coax out what action looks like and what engagement looks like in a video, and then rotate that across a whole bunch of different sub-segments to kind of coax out who should be matched with what video clip in order to get them to watch it and maybe like the page. This is sort of a a naive perspective of maybe what could be happening. Let me know, Thomas, how far off or on am I about that that supposition? Well, that's certainly correct. I mean, in fact, actually, I think you're you know, the reality is it's it's not really quite sophisticated what's going on right now. You know, they go to some guy in post-production and say, give me some images, give me some clips. And I need it in five hours because they were, you know, or I need five different clips from this episode. And, you know, we're going to start tomorrow. And, you know, he sits there and starts looking at it and it's going to get late into the night and he still hasn't, you know, he's still not sure what is the best. And that's actually one of the things that they really start running into, especially with, you know, TV shows or things which are uh, are also becoming much more interesting and important, you know. Yep. So that's one of the things that's really going on. And, you know, being able to, on a timely basis, being able to go through large amounts of image data, you know, if I give... Or let's say, you know, the other thing is also if you want to go through, you have some content and you want to marry it together with uh, stock photos. 
and you go through stock photos and you see there's a list of 100 million or 10 million or 100, you know, 1 million that you have to go through. Yeah. And then how do you choose which stock photo to go together with your content to achieve some sort of goal? And you give it to someone and you say, okay, well, come back to me tomorrow, right? Um, that's a really, really hard problem. <laughs> yeah, that, and, that, that's, not, that's not a human problem. And this seems like a classic right. machine learning uh, concern, right? We have far too many variables. The world is changing in real time. We need to be responding and adjusting. So I guess, you know, again, as you had mentioned today, it's not tremendously sophisticated, maybe in most cases. You'd imagine some of these gargantuan firms, you know, in the beauty space, these other spaces where, you know, Instagram and Facebook and whatnot are just like a huge portion of how they do business. You would imagine that that maybe there's some kind of robust process, maybe or maybe not AI today. Uh, But the idea is, you know, in, in the future, we may be looking at a world where, we don't have a human curating the two or three images we want to split test. We have a machine curating 300 and rotating them across 2,000 different sub-segments of our audience in terms of buyers, non-buyers, uh, people in different geo regions and whatever, and coaxing out sort of as, as optimal an interaction per interaction as we can across all these various segments so that you know the, the ad dollar spent through the Instagrams and the Facebook garners as many of our sort of threshold result as we want, whether that's a like, whether that's time watching the video, whether that's a click through to the page. It sounds like that sort of optimization is kind of inevitable for businesses that that depend on those channels, that that need maximal ROI from those channels. And that right now maybe it's it's still a little bit stodgy. Yeah, definitely. And also the other thing is, you know, you can with a lot of these techniques, you can do constant monitoring to see what is, you know, Every couple of seconds, you can start to see, you know, how are people engaging with this? Uh, what is working? What is not working? Can you make modifications? Can you learn from it? Can you reinforce whatever effects that you might start to see? So that's one of the other thing that is uh, the sort of constant monitoring of whatever content you put out there. And it starts also becoming very multidimensional because you start thinking not just the content, because how are you going to marry it with extra metadata that you might associate it, whether it's a hashtag or something else? Yeah. So it also that also completely uh, makes the problem intractable. Yeah, it becomes very much a not a human uh, problem whatsoever. And, and um, you know, the other issues here are obviously the the kind of real time kind of temporal concerns of marketing you know if you find the the perfect image for a specific audience segment um a that image may not work next week never mind even tomorrow and and b you may find that when you're targeting the same audience the same kind of demographics at 3 in the morning an entirely different kind of video clip or an entirely different kind of image tends to garner higher engagement you know by the criteria that you're looking for so these things are changing maybe so rapidly that have to have a human hand on the wheel for every decision would probably not be possible for sort of ideal optimization here uh, when right. we look into the future of social media. In fact, I would even go further. In fact, it's already known that what works in the morning does not work at lunchtime. Doesn't surprise does not me at work, all. Yeah. It does not work in the evening. You know, it's, uh, you know, people are in different modes at different times of the day. And yeah, that's something that's actually well known, but I think people don't really exploit it perhaps uh, uh, sufficiently. I would agree. I mean, I would say, you know, again, it's a challenging issue. I mean, to take every single one of your ads and your groups and your target audiences, I mean, from from someone who's kind of, you know, done the B2C marketing thing for, for my last business, 
I mean, yet yeah, to, to, to dial in every nuance of every campaign becomes just so laborious. There's clearly juice to be squeezed there, but man, is that annoying. And, and man, is that another four hours of drilling into spreadsheets and, and kind of dialing things in and setting up more tests and whatever else. And it's just that much uh, more complicated. But it doesn't surprise me at all that, that things are, are changing in that light. And it, it kind of reminds me a bit of not that long ago, Thomas, I think I forget when it was last year, sometime last year, we went to Facebook headquarters and chatted with their their head of core machine learning about sort of the future of personalization. You know, what does personalization sort of look like two or three years out? Um, what's going to be possible? And some of what uh, the fellow had uh, spoken with us there, Hussein Mahana was the fellow's name, I believe. I think he's, he's now at Snap. Um, but he had mentioned that in the future there will be potentially more ability to dial into someone's interests based on what they watch. For example, if you watch a, a highlight video of soccer, um, based on the other things that you engage with, do you actually like soccer or do you like exciting sports? Or do you like your regional area and you're just proud of being from, you know, wherever you're from? Um, you know, what is it that that really coaxed out uh, that engagement. Is there a similar kind of learning for individual advertisers, you know, when we look kind of down the line? Sure, hyper-optimizing for click-throughs, hyper-optimizing for getting more likes specific to the audience makes sense. Are there kind of further, deeper applications even from there that are kind of conceivable today? Yeah, I think what you can do is, because you can sort of constantly monitor what's going on in the market on different social platforms, you know, and take whatever again you have to look at the content what that advertiser might have together what their goals actually are you know in terms of what they're hoping to achieve but you can marry that together and then you can learn how behaviors are going on over time you know build uh, some data set that you can learn from yep. and you know you can achieve lift right away as soon as you put this start start putting this out uh, you're not sort of just guessing from from ground zero. Uh, so right away you could achieve lift, whether it's you know getting sales, whether it's you know getting followers for your brand, getting people to engage with you know a video or something to click through, whatever it might be. You can sort of leverage whatever the behaviors might be, and then within there find different niches that you know this might fit into. And this is a bit like where some of the class of, you know, image classification, computer vision, yeah. deep learning comes in because, you know, you can look at, you know, this content got to, you know, together with some metadata was very, very successful recently. We can do something kind of similar. Uh, so that uh, becomes, you know, really quite powerful, right? Yeah. It, it sort of removes all the guesswork and, you know, the kind of magic that sometimes surrounds some of this stuff. I think, well, it, it, it does. It, it seems there's clearly possibilities there. It also opens up a lot of new cans of worms, you know, in a, in a good way. More options are nice. More options are, are complex uh, as well. In terms of, you know, determining which data sets you want to pull in, the, the analogy that's coming immediately to my mind, Thomas, when I, when I think about advertising uh, is, is kind of the, the stock trading world, right? Where um, if, if we're trading some big technology firms or we're trading Japanese currency or we're trading, uh, you know, some natural resource, you know, uh, I think orange juice concentrate is something you can trade on. Interestingly enough, I'm not really that active in the market, but whatever, whatever we're working on, um, it's possible to say, okay, well, I want to mesh that. I want to mesh my real-time decisions uh, with 
you know, information about how this other commodity is doing or information about how, you know, this other sector is performing or information about, you know, uh, press releases and sentiment analysis of things about these five major industry leaders and kind of taking that into account as to how bullish or bearish I am about, about kind of buying and selling. Uh, for example, and picking what data sets to marry to is is clearly not easy. I think I think the goal would be to see a lift, um, but it, it seems to me like maybe where the future of, of social advertising is going, Thomas. And you may have a totally different analogy um, than than I, but it seems like maybe it will become a bit like the stock market, where certainly there are big human decisions being made on a regular basis, but a huge volume of day to day transactions. Are being done at a hyper optimized, hyper ideal, hyper granular level from algorithms that are responding to other algorithms and responding to to the market in different data sets, and and a huge volume of sort of what goes down um, is based on machines that are making these decisions for mega optimized kind of calibrated means. And is it possible that the future of social? Um, there will be massively higher competition when there's machines trained to do so. To, to ensure that the most targeted, you know, image, video, et cetera, is, front of, is in front of everyone. And, and maybe the big brands that are competing on social, you know, kind of like maybe the big brokerage houses just won't be able to hang without some degree of AI running the show on some of their primary goals. It, I, I make kind of that analogy in my own mind. I want to see if that meshes with the way you see the future of social media and advertising here. Yeah, I guess... Um... I mean, certainly you're going to see things occurring, you know, sampling almost continuous. So it's going to happen. Things are going to happen in real time. Uh, you're going to see what works in real time and make modifications. If it's if you see things are not working, if you can make adjustments, you you're and you're also, you know, the other thing is you're constantly in real, real time. You're not just monitoring what you're putting out there, but you're also monitor. You're building up uh, the data sets that you're creating to learn from. So there's this sort of continuous learning, which also is happening, and this continuous reinforcement that's also occurring, uh, which sort of meshes what you said. And I, th I think what's actually also going to happen is you're seeing that, you know, it's going to end up being perhaps somewhat, you know, when the person looks at it, there'll be advertising, which becomes more intermeshed with all kinds of other content that, you know, the advertising is the message is going to be embedded with all kinds of other interesting content to bring you there. And you might, it might not even be clear at the beginning that you're actually looking at advertisement or some, you know, product placement or things like that. I think oh. that's the sort of thing that we're going to start seeing in the future. Interesting. Well, th this fits to, to a lot of what I'm seeing in media uh, as well. We talk to a lot of founders in this space and, and you know, I'm, I'm also just kind of in this world in general. And you're talking about something that's kind of a prescient concern, this idea of kind of sponsored content and of content slash advertising and kind of content partnerships, right? And these are gray areas that, you know, journalists feel uncomfortable about, some advertisers feel uncomfortable about, some con consumers and users feel uh, uncomfortable about. Um, you know, I think there's probably both good or bad. I'm not making a damn moral judgment about it at all right now during our conversation, but there's people that feel different ways. It sounds like you see that as kind of having having an uptick in the future, you know, maybe we can close out kind of in in uh, some additional thoughts as we wrap up here, Thomas. You know, what is the future of social going to look like as as these technologies proliferate and as optimization becomes more and more possible uh, through social? One trend that I just want to touch on 
is this idea of this meshing of content and advertising. Is this because uh, engagement, that is to say time spent watching something, amount of clicks to something, is going to be higher with maybe, of course, is going to be higher with, with rich and useful content than with advertising. And so when advertisers are optimizing, they're likely to find over and over and over that kind of the bold, bland, you know, cornflakes commercial, you know, they're great, you know, that, that just a freaking banner that says that is just not going to cut the damn mustard for getting whatever your end game result is. And that more and more, this is going to be meshed into, pulled into some other kinds of content. You, you see that as kind of a, an aggregate trend when it comes to optimization, people are going to try to hide within or blend into content? Yeah, I, I guess I would actually perhaps turn it around a bit because, you know, I think when you said, when you said like, you know, people are trying to hide it, I think that's where people sometimes get frustrated. You know, they go for some content, they click on something which is sort of like some advertorial, and then they realize that actually they were conned a little bit into just looking at an ad when they were just thinking that they were going to get information. Yeah, yeah. I, I would sort of twist it the other way. I mean, imagine you go to, a brand who has some, you know, things they want to sell, and then they can start taking bits of content from all, all around the web and build their own story around that. And if they make it interesting enough, people know that they're going to a brand or, you know, some advertiser, and but they, they stay there because there's an interesting story to tell, that they're putting, you know, in some interesting, you know, images and photos and video clips and, you know, it could be compelling. You know, it's actually been, you know, successful on, you know, some platforms like, uh, let's say, Instagram or other social media where, you know, a brand can build, you know, an interesting story, a kind of almost like graphic novel around what they're, you know, around their, you know, their content, their, their products, and people stay there and they get really engaged. So, and it becomes all seamless. And in fact, and then what you're going to see is artificial intelligence systems actually automatically building a lot of this content for around these brands. Whoa, really, so the really story, wild. Yeah, really wild. Wow. So I, I think that's what we're going to end up. It's going to get there slowly, but I think that's what, you know, it's going to be becoming more and more prevalent. Oh, man. I, there's so much to talk about here. And I know we're on limited time, but just uh, to, to flesh this out, that what's amazing to me is thinking about kind of programmatically generated images in the future, you know, that it will hypothetically be possible to have a system that's just seen so much video and so much photo that you could say, hey, I'd like to see an image of, a, you know, a Kia Sonata driving off of a cliff with dragon wings and, you know, Nev Campbell on top of it doing a backflip <laughs> into into a waterfall or something. And, and, a, and a machine just like, boop, and just like, pop it out. And, and this, of course, has all kinds of wacky ramifications, but it, it seems like when images are not even, you don't even have to pick within a certain sort, images could be outright created. We, if you're a jewelry company, you know, an AI system might even be able to create a different angle on a particular ring or necklace or something, Cre like a photo that was never taken, but just knowing what the object is. These things probably get very robustly complex in the future. But what it sounds like you're saying is um, the user experience engaging with advertisers, you know, you're not saying it's likely to become more and more sleazy in some hidden way. And by the way, I don't see sponsored content as inherently sleazy. I think there's good and bad ways, but you're saying that brands will make, they'll make it known that people are engaging with them, but they'll make it 
engaging, interactive, interesting in a robust way, just like content would be without really needing trickery, just by genuinely dialing into the kind of content people want and making sure that that has to do with the brand itself. It sounds like you see that as a, a trend that kind of brands themselves are moving towards and maybe AI will help to optimize, test, and kind of um, bring forth. Yeah, they will be able to select the content that, you know, meshes with whatever, you know, if you have some, you know, if you're selling a car or jewelry or something like that, content with meshes with the story that you're trying to tell around your, you know, their products or brands. And it finds really cool, fascinating images and video clips that, you know, people like, and then they'll stick around. And, you know, if you can provide them also with some other uh, information or, you know, make it also a bit of uh, something that they can perhaps find some discovery or, you know, be surprised by learning some interesting things, you know, they'll stick around, even if they know it's, you know, this is all coming from some company. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, huh. I th and, you know, it's a hard problem to do. And you don't even have to, like, you know, you, you could, you know, eventually it might be just purely generated by a computer, or by, you know, but even just putting together, you know, product images side by side with some video clip or some images and things like that, or you just make it, you know, more natural looking, you know, where you don't sort of put it in the person's face and they just sort of, you know, discover it slowly over time, like almost like unfolding like a, a novel or something like that. And, you know, it can be really, really super powerful. And of course, you can monitor this in real time and see, is something working? Is it not working? Let's make some adjustments. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a useful frame. And I guess my closing thought around, you know, this sounds to me like a general trend on the internet, which is user experience on the aggregate getting better and products on the aggregate becoming easier and more fun and maybe even more addictive uh, to use. You know, email has better spam filters now than, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, Google searches are showing up better material you know, now than five years ago, 10 years ago. In general, it feels like the content and advertising experience, and some people might disagree with some different changes on Facebook and whatnot, but I think aggregately over time, if we look at the beginning of the internet to now, engaging, kind of useful, maybe even fun, we could argue, uh, interactions with advertisers is, is becoming more prevalent, not less. Um, and it sounds like you see that as continuing. Are there any other changes in closing here, Thomas? I'm wary of time, but I, I'm really interested in your perspective if there's anything else. Uh, and if not, that's fine. Um, that, that might be tangibly different from the perspective of just a user of social media. If I'm on Instagram three years from now, uh, if I'm on Facebook three years from now, Twitter three years from now, five years from now, um, you know, this idea of stories and blended content and being able to micro test that across different demographics and whatnot being a trend, that's one thing. Is there anything else that that I, just as a user, would notice is different about how I'm engaging with and how I'm seeing advertisers as the future rolls forth and as AI sort of makes its way in? Is there anything else that users might notice? I, I think they can probably start seeing that already, but you know, if they have some very specific interests, they're going to start finding that much more quickly. You know, and you know that sort of discovery is going to happen as people understand how to use some of the metadata associated with their image content. You're going to find, for example, you know, TV shows or whatever that, you know, you're really interested in. It's actually going to be, uh, you know, if you start doing searches or start, uh, you know, have interest in something, it's actually going to be a far more useful service that you're going to find. And you're probably going to find 
far more interesting things. And also the other thing is that uh, a lot of things which, you know, perhaps you don't discover. I mean, you will discover now. Uh, you People will find things that perhaps you weren't even sure that, you know, you had some interest in. You didn't even think that you could find it, but you will find it. And uh, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, I, you know, something I've, I've heard people say in just the last, you know, maybe three years, but certainly maybe the last 18 months is that is that I've actually heard people say like, man, you know, some of these Facebook ads are so good. I've actually clicked on them. Like people, people are taken aback that like legitimately this is stuff I'm into. Like I've heard this on a number of different uh, occasions. Obviously I've, I've also seen uh, the people within my own network spending more and more on these channels. So clearly there's something to be said about their economic value here. And if we look at uh, Facebook's revenue, that's reflected pretty clearly. But yeah, the, the dialed inness and the granularness seems to be you know, clearly a trend and sounds like not slowing down anytime soon and only to get more and more dialed in. So I guess people can prepare for that. Thomas, I, I realize where we are on time. I'm glad you're able to go into a little bit of overtime with us here and explain some of your perspectives on image data and kind of the future of social media here, which I sincerely appreciate. Thank you for joining us here on AI and Industry. I had an awesome time. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.